Good morning, Redeemer Church family. My name is Biju John, and our family has been at Redeemer for four years. Where I first served as an intern, I'm now a staff member. It's a joy to speak to you, even though it's virtual. I miss you very much, and I hope we can come together again soon. I thought I would begin the sermon by sharing something about my daughter. She loves to solving puzzles. So recently, I got her a jigsaw puzzle which was actually more than a puzzle. Normally a puzzle comes with a picture on the box, what you're building. However, this puzzle didn't, have, didn't come with any picture on, or any instruction. Just the pieces is a mystery. No one except the designer know how the image of the puzzle. It's a mystery waiting to be solved. And so every time my daughter places a pieces in the right place, she gets even extra excited and thrilled. It motivates her and makes her happy. But the joy only lasts for a short while because immediately she has to find the next piece to keep the excitement going. Our life is like that. It's complex, but involves, it involves moments of joy, though that joy is not permanent. It's, it's like building that puzzle. We keep looking for the next pieces. Many of us are finding ourselves in that position now. The season of life has overwhelmed us both with surprises and even shattered dreams. I feel like there is no clear instruction on how to face the lives. There is no certainty and no permanent joy. But friends, for Christians, our joy is certain. It's not based on any ambiguity, rather it is based on the word of God. Our passage for today, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 to 12, Peter points us to that mystery which is unfolded through different people in different ages. In this passage, Peter wants us to have more regard, gratitude, and wonder at this salvation because the prophets of God and even the angels long to see about this salvation. Peter is reminding every Christian that the thing that brings most joy in our life should be this salvation, which radiates out into our joy into our life, into our families, into our friendship, into our jobs, and all other area. If you take away this nucleus, the salvation, everything else would crumble into meaningless ruin. If you're someone going through the trials and you feel you are sinking and you have no hope or joy, I want to offer you this treasure. If you're someone who has put your trust in this salvation, but you feel discouraged, I want to offer you this treasure. Maybe you are watching and you think, what does my salvation has to do with the situation I am in? I want to offer you this treasure. There is hope and joy only in this gospel, irrespective of the situation what you are in. As we begin, let me share the background of this passage. Peter's audience was going through afflictions, they were scattered. They were scattered around, persecuted. Some of them probably wondering, why suffer for this faith? Is it worth the pain what they are going through, what we are going through? Peter's hope was to get them to look up from the suffering and to look to their salvation, which the prophets and the angels longed to see. Today we are going to see the significance of this salvation. Our outline will have three points. First, the wonder, second, the witness, and third, the worry. 
the wonder, the witness, and the worry involved in salvation. First, the wonder of this salvation. One word stands out in the text, which is a central theme of our discussion, in which everything else is centered on. Verse 9 ends with the word. Verse 10 starts with the same word concerning this salvation. The word is salvation. Salvation is the power of God which rescues people from the penalty of sin. The same chapter, verse 3, points us to that. This salvation is orchestrated by God the Father and has been accomplished by God the Son and has been applied by God the Spirit. Peter informs us that this salvation is not an ordinary salvation and that it exceeds any other kind of riches. Verse 4 of the same chapter points us to that. Please note two things from verse 10. Our salvation is great because it is the message of God's grace. Second, the grace of joy is for you and for me. God's grace is undeserved favor. We cannot appreciate God's grace until we understand how unworthy we were to receive anything other than judgment. Grace is God's mercy to me when he could justly send me to hell. Our salvation is a free gift for me, but it was a great cost for God. That means there is, no, there is hope for us. There is, there, there is certainly a hope for us. That's the good news. Friends, we need to hear this good news today. One thing that we often keep us, often keep us from experiencing God's grace is our pride. We have to humble ourselves and confess our sin to God. The cross of Christ brings us home to God. Verse 3 to 5 reminds us the greatness and certainty of the future inheritance in Christ, which is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for us. We who believers in Christ is the fulfillment of the prophecy. That's the wonder of this salvation. It is this wondrous salvation the prophet says and the angels long to see. This leads to our second point, the witness of our salvation. Number two, the witness of our salvation. Look at verse 11. Peter points out the amazing fact that Christ himself, that is the spirit of Christ, 100 years before his own death and resurrection, was predicting his own death and resurrection. That was not only the matter of prophet's prophecy, it was also a matter of their investigation. They were thrilled by it, so thrilled they were, they had to great, they had the great desire to know more about it. They eagerly anticipated this great work of salvation, which we are experiencing now. But there was a problem. The Old Testament prophets were not as privileged as, privileged as we are. They were only given a glimpse into the glorious things that were to take place. These things that were, they were predicting were so wonderful, so remarkable, and they couldn't just comprehend them completely. But at the same time, they couldn't even just leave them. They wanted to know specifically about the time and the circumstances of these happenings. Their matter of investigation in the Old Testament may not seem very interesting to some of us. It is hard to understand that it is old, but it all points to the unity of the scripture. The Old Testament along with the New Testament is concerned with the grace and glory. When you read the Old Testament in the light of New Testament, 
you will see a progressive unity throughout the whole scripture which is unified in the person of Jesus Christ. Like my daughter and her puzzle, these prophets were placing pieces in the jigsaw without ever realizing how the completed piece will look like. It's like you keeping your 500 pieces jigsaw puzzle at your friend room and some of your visitors trying to fix few pieces and living without knowing what the final picture will look like. In spiritual terms, that's what the prophets were doing. But it's not that they were in irrelevant in their day, but they spoke directly to the things pointing forward to Jesus. The fact that we should realize is the disciples of Jesus today no more are in a better position to understand the Old Testament revelation than the greatest prophets in the days of old. Fellow Christians, because you are placed in Christ today, you are able to look back into the history and put pieces together in a way that Isaiah or Amos never could. How then could the prophets write about these things which they were struggled to understand? That's the wondrous work of the Spirit, as verse 11 points us to that. So when we read the Old Testament book like Jeremiah, Isaiah, and wonder what's going on there, the entire time the Spirit of Christ was at work in the Old Testament prophets, pointing forward to Savior Jesus Christ, who was to come to his people. See the phrase in verse 12, it was revealed. It means that prophets discovered they were ordained by God to give instructions for Christians. The ministry of the Spirit of God in the Old Testament was to point forward to Jesus. And the ministry of the Spirit today is to point back to Jesus Christ's death and forward to his uh, return. The Spirit is poured out so that Christ may be proclaimed to the ends of the earth. So, we must understand that the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles, through their combined witness, made it possible for men and women to experience grace in Jesus Christ. The prophets put the pieces in the puzzle, even though they never finished. But later the apostles discovered it when Christ was resurrected from the dead. And today, we read our Bible and begin to put it together. And, the, and the all, all the while this is all going on, verse 12 says, the angels were looking down and marveling at the salvation. They were excited. If they were excited, how much more we should be excited. Church, we are the recipients of so great a salvation. While they were all excited about this salvation, they were also equally concerned about it. That's our last point. The worry involved in salvation. Number three, the worry in salvation. They were worried because neither the prophets nor the angels fully understood about this salvation. When would it come? How would it happen? Even the angels wanted to be part of this, even, even though they were outside the human realm. Everyone wanted to be part of it. But, but in God's grace, fellow Christian, you and I have been brought into the salvation. Not because of anything we have done, but because of Christ's work and in and through us. We are incredibly privileged. Their concern has become our joy. They were, all, they were also worried about the, the theme of their own writing. Verse 11 points us to that, the suffering of Christ and the glorious that would follow. 
the Old Testament prophets had predicted that Messiah would experience both suffering and glory. However, they did not understand how this suffering and glory would fit together. It was, prob- it, it, it was possible to understand that mystery only after Jesus' earthly ministry. They had questions like, why should the Messiah suffer and die on the cross? How is suffering Messiah going to rule and reign? The prophets struggled to comprehend everything. Think of Peter, who didn't want to hear anything of Christ's suffering during the lifetime of Jesus, but he made Jesus' suffering and death the very center of his writing. As Christian, we often fail to realize that God intends our experience as well to include both suffering and joy. In all this, the prophets did realize that God would not fulfill all their inspired revelation in their own day, but in the future. Verse 12 points us to that. God had fulfilled the prophecies about Messiah's suffering in Peter's day, but he had not fulfilled the prophecies of Messiah's glorification. Even the angels are waiting to see how exactly when God is going to fulfill them. Jesus Christ is the center of world history. His coming to this earth, his dying for our sin, his resurrection, his ascension, and his promise to return are the most important acts in human history. It was necessary for Christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory. Christ is the center of both human history and of scripture. And the cross is the central reason Christ came to this earth. Peter reminds us that our salvation is great because it is centered on these most crucial truths in history. So, whatever we must endure for Christ's sake now is nothing compared with the glory that awaits us. Redeemer Church, I don't know what trials you may be enduring right now. I don't know the temptation that threatens to overtake you. I don't know the pain you feel. But I do know this. Just as Jesus first wore the crown of thrones and the crown of glory, so goes for us who follows him. We may suffer now, but we are in Christ now. And what we have in him is the wondrous, wonderful, glorious, and magnificent. It is this truth that helps us to endure present grief and trials. This salvation is God's grand design for recovering his original plan. He is the author. He is the perfecter of it. And he is applying it in our lives. So don't be puzzled. Rather, join the master plan. In fact, in fact, you and I are the missing pieces in this salvation plan. So come, come and join in this work. As you join, The bigger picture is getting completed. Those who are in it, endure. Endure by faith. We have an imperishable inheritance waiting for us in heaven. Join with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this salvation. Lord, help us to treasure this truth which have now been revealed to your church, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.